the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now here's the host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. Today we have a very fun show. I have as my guest Glenn Ebersall, who is better known as a PR prescription doctor. Welcome, Glenn. Hi, Cindy. Good How morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Hope we, you are too. Yeah, well, we have a lot to prescribe, don't we? Yes, we do. There's um, kinds of I opportunities mean, out there. Oh, my God. I, the funniest thing to me this week, I, and funny, sad, I don't know, is um, President Clinton, that is, you know, married to the former Democratic nominee. <laughs> and, um, you know, the way that he handled the Todd Purdom story in Vanity Fair, I thought was, you know, so entirely and unnecessarily defensive. And when I was watching his news conference, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to talk to the prescription doctor about that. Well, it's amazing. I was watching Larry King live and listening to James Carville, among others, uh, and, uh, of course, Jim Carville said, you know, that he understands that Bill's upset, but his language was totally uh, off-base, uh, uncalled for, uh, shouldn't have been said, et cetera, et cetera. And I've since also learned that the, uh, you know, President Clinton made a comment about how he got this uh, email uh, from the uh, editor of Esquire, and it turns out that David Granger did not send an email to Bill Clinton about the Vanity Fair article. Uh, one of the editors on the staff sent a personal note about the piece to uh, Doug Band, who's written about the article, and it was a private email. So uh, Band has since apologized to Esquire that it became public, but uh, just another uh, incorrect information thing that uh, adds fuel to the fire. And to use that kind of language is, is absolutely uh, reprehensible. It was very, especially for a commander-in-chief type. Yeah. And for uh, what I understand also is this uh, Purdom was someone that uh, during his presidency um, they had wanted to do a, a cover story about the president, and this was the guy that the president wanted to have uh, do it. Well, uh, that's, because Purdom is married that's, to, I, that's because Purdom is married to somebody, is married to Dee Dee Myers, who yes. was the press secretary, of course, to President Clinton. Yes. So it's all terribly incestuous, but still... I, I think that Vanity Fair comes out good here. I think that Todd Purdom comes out good here. I think that every everything that could have been changed around to President Clinton's intention, um, you know, if he had if he had pioneered the language differently, just kind of went you know went into the toilet. And now what's going to happen is everybody's going to run out and buy Vanity Fair. Right. Exactly. That that's a coup for them for sure. And obviously, uh, when you are upset, one of the things is you need to sort of take a deep breath and, and try to keep your cool, stay, stay calm, and really think before you speak. Because obviously in those settings, at that level, whatever you say is going to get magnified. Millions of people are going to hear and read it. Uh, so one of the parts of the prescription is always think before you speak, and also all, always exhibit good business etiquette. I would, I would think so. He just sounds. He looks just totally uncalled for. 
he looked so, I mean, he was all, his face was, all, Clinton's face was all red. And it really doesn't help the whole ongoing need for a prescription for Hillary Clinton, who is still in denial over the fact that she didn't win the Democratic nomination. At least she won't come forward eloquently and publicly <laughs> and acknowledge, um, you know, the fact that it's over for her and what her plans are going forward for the Democratic ticket in support of her party, and I think she needs a prescription. Um, she needs a public relations tranquilizer or something. <laughs> You're absolutely right, and I believe that I was just talking this morning in an earlier meeting, and, and I was telling them uh, about coming on your show today and what we were going to be talking about, and uh, so one of the people at the table would ask me, well, what would you prescribe for uh, Hillary? And, and again, it is you know, here is such an opportunity that you have to come out and show real class, uh, to show the people that uh, there is some humility there, uh, that you can, you know, face uh, a loss, even though it's a very, very tough loss uh, in a very gracious manner. And it's an opportunity to show off some characteristics that would endear you uh, to people and to prolong this and to keep the stage open, so to speak, for other comments that who knows what will come out next uh, is, is really bad advice. And I was reading through a Wall Street Journal article about, you know, the changes she made during, you know, the primary campaign and how the first strategist was fired and how a lot of the colleagues in Congress wanted uh, her to show the more personal side while others said, no, you've got to show the toughness and you've got to show you're prepared and all that. And one of the observations in that article was that a lot of people felt that she had certain credentials, she had, you know, a skill set, et cetera, but that the basic fact was that people just did not like her. You can't make people like you, can you? Oh, you can. And, <laughs> and I have a lot of people over the years that said, you know, you cannot control how another person's going to perceive you. Now, you can try to set an environment, you can portray yourself in a certain way to try and influence them, but you cannot control their thoughts and you cannot control, you know, their opinions. So, you know, the, the comment you and I talked about um, oh, last week, you know, about the white vote, again, I think that if you do your homework and you know some of these things are coming up, and obviously during this campaign they're going to ask about, well, who are your supporters out there? And the prescription I would have suggested is, well, first of all, you've got a staff of people that can look at the demographics of the voters. And instead of saying, you know, I got the white vote, it would have been much better to say, listen, here's how my support breaks down. This is what I've told. I'm told. Among male Caucasians in this age group, here's what it is. Among female Caucasians in this age group, and break it down in what are typically uh, ethnic demographic figures. So it's not offensive, and it's not trying to boil it down into a one word or two words, white vote. Uh, so I would say you need to do more homework, and you need to be prepared uh, to speak about it in a little more professional manner so that you don't get caught up in that trap of trying to Reduce it down to one or two words. Uh, I, I think that's very. I, I think that's very, very good advice, Doctor. Um, 
But she, it, no, the whole campaign, it's been very disappointing. I think that if she had asked for our prescriptions throughout the entire campaign or even if her people had asked for our prescriptions throughout the campaign, perhaps we could have influenced things differently and made her a little bit more likable. I mean, I know chemistry, as we said, you can't really change the chemistry, but she didn't really do anything to um, get in front of the fact that sometimes she's just not likable. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. And, you know, the different places where sometimes she tried and, she might have done it a little, and then she, she backed off, you know, right away. And I think that, one, is you do have to be sincere. You can't be phony. So you can't put on a, on a front that's not, not believable. Uh, but I think that uh, if you really are listening, are willing to listen, you have an open mind, and you have people around you that are, are, are good strategists and they're also good, hard friends, if you will, that will give you that tough love that tough advice that you need, instead of having somebody around that's just going to simply tell you what you want to hear, um, how much of that happened, I'm not sure. Uh, obviously, there were some people that she disagreed with, and, and they were gone. But how much of it was her final decision that she just would not accept the advice? Well, I think that she probably didn't accept advice. I, <laughs> I mean, you know what? We study management a lot, and you and I both have our corporate and business clients, and you know, um, right now when the Wall Street Journal covers management, for example, and they're doing it a lot in the soft economy, decentralization is really um, the favored way to manage an organization because, you know, when you have a tight economy, you have to, you can't be myopic. You can't be looking at thyself. You really have to hire really, really great people and let them do what they do best. And I think throughout the entire campaign, you know, it was very, very apparent to me, sadly, that, you know, Hillary fell into, um, you know, the Howard Schultz syndrome. Howard Schultz is the CEO of Starbucks, and we know that they're in a lot of trouble right now, where, you know, you focus on, you know, what your visions are. You focus on whether, you know, the steam is the right phone consistency when you should have really other terrific people doing that for you. Um, you know, otherwise McDonald's is going to outsell you in coffee share. And I think that, you know, that's what happened to Hillary Clinton. That's the kind of decentralized CEO syndrome that she fell into, and it just doesn't work. And it's certainly not going to resonate with the people and the voters right now. And what Obama did really... Um, you know, in terms of his management strategies, he was the antithesis to that. That's I mean, absolutely right. You know, he hired fantastic people, fantastic marketing and PR people, fantastic pollsters. Um, this is why he got, you know, every single, man, every single respectable large newspaper to endorse him. And, uh, you know, he did it right from the very, very beginning. Well, Hillary had kind of a snobbery to her saying, you know, I've been in the White House before. I know how to do this. I'm not going to bow down to that kind of stuff. And, you know what, it really, she really needed a pill to do that. Right. And, and she also needed a, uh, you know, a tranquilizer for her husband because, uh, you know, it seemed like many times when he'd say something, it just uh, was more hurtful and uh, more negative for her than anything. And, of course, his, his disdain for the media, quote, their treatment of Hillary, unquote, and how they favored Obama and so forth. Well, you know, the media and the relationships we build with them uh, obviously impact, you know, coverage. Uh, if you are a professional, if you professionally disagree with someone, you can have a different opinion, 
And if you get along in, in the truest sense and in the most honest sense, uh, I believe that the media, by and large, on balance, will be very fair. Obviously, if you are in there in the attack dog mode, uh, they're going to have their defenses up, and they're going to be ready to come after uh, you in, in, certain, in certain ways that you're not going to like, and it's just going to add fuel you know, to the fire. It's, uh, and it's unfortunate because I think that Hillary, if she had the right prescriptions, I really think that she could have done a lot better. She didn't have the superdelegate support either for these reasons. I mean, they watch people. The superdelegates are watching people and what their management characteristics are. I mean, you know, that, I mean that's why she couldn't get the superdelegates to support her because they were analyzing her as we are. Exactly, and they, uh, they wanted to start getting that uh, arm's distance uh, from them. They didn't want to be associated with some of this negativity and some of the comments that uh, that were going out, you know, going out there. Uh, I think that one of the things, too, is that going back to one of your comments, Cindy, is about, you know, what is your vision? What's the vision for America? And to stay on that and, and keep working that back into your responses to questions and saying, okay, that, you know, uh, for example, Senator Obama may have a different vision than I. Or we may have a similar vision, but our paths to get there are different. Absolutely. Well, listen, we have to take a quick commercial break, but sure. this is a fascinating conversation, and we're going to come back with Glenn Ebersol, the prescription doctor, in just one minute. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties. Festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment. That's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L entertainment.com. Or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions. We do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST for 
4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Did you do your homework today? Relationship Homework is a program about working with others in the home and in the workplace. Relationships with others are vital in getting work done. You'll learn guidance and reclaim the power to expand your capacity to take effective action in your relationships at home and at work. Each program will include a weekly homework assignment to take back and implement over the following week. Join host Udall DeLeo for Relationship Homework every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back giving out PR prescriptions for free. That's right, with the prescription doctor, Glenn Ebersol. Glenn, thank you so much for writing those prescriptions along with me. It's kind of like a drugstore pharmacy promotion. Absolutely. I love collaborating with you, Cindy. This is great. We could do this for a little. We could go on the road. It could That's be like right. a press tour for us. I would love to do us. that. And uh, just to pick up uh, after the uh, break, you know, I said about articulating the vision and, and keeping that, in, and as we'd say, stay on message. Uh, don't allow yourself to get distracted. Uh, let's face it, we've got a lot of sandbaggers out there, as we call them, uh, that love to bait you into getting into the negative and getting into the uh, the mud, so to speak. And one of the prescriptions from the PR doctor is, you know, don't take the bait. Well, exactly. And what did and what did our former president do? He took the bait. I mean, you know. I, Todd Purdom and Vanity Fair, as we discussed before, I mean, and the press people and the editor, I mean, they were probably all jumping up and down. It's like they they put like a baby shark in the water and, you know, they just got the great white to bite it. It was horrible. <laughs> exactly right. And, it's, and again, you would expect somebody that is seasoned in dealing with the media with this to have a much, much different response and certainly a much more measured and professional response. I mean, it's, it was just, uh, I, as a PR, you know, pro, you know, I, I, I mean, I watched it and I cringed because I actually like the Clintons, and I think that President Clinton did a great job as commander-in-chief of our country. I mean, so that's why it really broke my heart. I also know how close he was with Press Secretary Deanie Myers because yeah. that was my era. That was when I was in New York and um, running press for Playboy, and she and I were probably quoted in the news just as much as each other. I mean, it was, you know, so I see her as, you know, a peer and a contemporary, and I, I really respected the relationship that the two of them had because he really listened to her. She was probably one of the, you know, one of the youngest, um, you know, young press officers that we had in the White House. She worked closely and trained under George Stephanopoulos. Absolutely, and, and you know, I haven't seen it, and George Stephanopoulos has made some comments. To, nobody's defending <laughs> Marvel doesn't defend what Bill Clinton says. You know it's got to be pretty bad. 
No, no. Well, exactly right. So they're both, I mean, everything was so apparent. And from a psychological prescription standpoint, you could tell that the tension in the Clinton marriage, not that it was always stellar, but (laughs) I mean, you could just tell that they, you know, that they have like this long, complicated layer upon layer of, um, you know, hatred for each other. Um, Everything that that they, you know. No cameras, no media, nothing. But to, uh, you know, if the two of us sat down with Dee Dee Myers and said, Dee Dee, tell us what you, you know, how do you really feel? Uh, no, it's uh, it, it's just, um, well, I was talking about, just to clarify, that the Clintons had layers and layers of hatred for each other. Yes, yes. Um, you know, it just kind of all came out. I think that they, you know, intend to have a great, you know, profile relationship, but I don't know. It was, the timing was so great for Vanity Fair and so bad for the Clintons and the way that they handled it with Hillary apparently not winning the, you know, Democratic support for the nomination, you know. Um, I don't know. Well, you know, I think we've we've given them our prescriptions. Right. It might be a little bit too late. I'm, You know, my hope is, is that, you know, if they would just chill for a while, maybe give them some Ritalin for their ADD, um, you know, I think they need that... Some, uh, they need a timeout. They, they need a timeout, and then they, I think they need some Ritalin, and then I think and I hope that um, Hillary can come back into, you know, the Democratic, um, you know, presidential nomination in some capacity, because I think that she has a lot to add, you know, to the Obama ticket. But, I, you know, I just don't, I, I said that 24 hours ago, but I'm not sure if I really agree with my own comments anymore. <laughs> well, and it's going to remain to be seen how it plays out. The, the one thing is, you know, with, with President Clinton, he, again, this disdain for the media and that, you know, like you said, his presidency, you can look at what, what the country was like during that time, what the end results were economically and so forth. But all, every time he does something like this, it takes away of people that were supporters or people that were uh, loyal to that. It, it keeps chipping away at this and, like, saying, you know, when are you going to let it go? No, no, exactly right, exactly right. Well, enough of that. And Part you know, prescription too. It's like even though you're, you, know, you have to let it go. You got to move forward uh, because otherwise, it's going to keep taking away from the very good things that you had accomplished. Well, it, I, right now it's very, very dark. So a timeout would be great, and you know, a super strategy would be terrific. Um, the the two of them coming together, um, you know, meaning Obama and Hillary. Um, to say that they're going to grab the presidential, you know, election um, after a few days of timeout might be able, you know, it might might help save the Democratic, you know, ticket. And I don't know. I just hope that it happens, and I hope they take our advice. Right. <laughs> well, and, and I have to really credit, you know, Obama uh, strategy of uh, selecting the three people uh, to be his uh, sort of screening. For vice presidential, that is a brilliant strategy. It very, buys time very for brilliant. Him. It gives him some what I call, like to call, layer of insulation. Uh, time to step back, take a deep breath, and say, "I'm, I'm going to seek advice of others. I'm not going to just rush in and, and say this is what I'm going to do." No, he. Well, again, he's a great decentralized CEO, right? And that's what our country needs right now is a great decentralized. CEO. I'm not sure. You know, now McCain, you know, even though I'm not personally a Republican, I, you know, I have to say that he's handled some of his scandals, 
you know, like a good decentralized CEO when he was accused of having a relationship in the past with, you know, somebody in politics. Um, he had his people insulate him really, really well. He he didn't pull a President Clinton. You know, he kind of stepped back, didn't get defensive, and had some of the people that were working closely with him chronologically outline exactly the series of events, and that was 100% the right thing to do. And and when those things occur, uh, when when there is some uh, truth to it, uh, you know, the, the PR doctor prescription is really admit the mistake, apologize genuinely, uh, and really you do the apology. Don't have your spokesperson do it. I mean, especially if it's something really serious. Uh, and really, during that time, you better be displaying some really good empathy and uh, and concern about your own behavior. Um, and actually, when there's something like that, the, the best prescription is uh, beating the media to the punch and uh, announcing the issue and apologizing for it before they get a hold of it. Uh, the preemptive strike. Preemptive strike, because the uh, the media, they like the scoops, they like to be the one, to, and when you bring it up before they get to it, it disappoints them, because now it's like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go and find uh, something else. So the the quick response uh, before it really grows into major news, um, going public with something, uh, again, before they get a real hold on it is, is another really, really good prescription. And one of the, one of the things that over these last couple days uh, or, or weeks and where people are trying to be funny, I mean, there's all kinds of things, stupid quotes where people were trying to be, you know, humorous. And, of course, the latest of uh, Dick Cheney uh, and his. And he's like, well, I'm not running for election, so I don't have to care. Oh, I, he just makes me sick. <laughs> I need a prescription to protect myself from Dick Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he just, um, you look at his face and everything, you know, everything about him in his microfacial movements looks like the, you know, the military um, atomic bomb salesman or nuclear, you know, you know, nuclear enterprise salesman. And, you know, you look at him and, you know, he has that twisted mouth and, you know, sort of like, you know, the one eye open kind of thing. He's just, um, he's just scary. It's sort of the, uh, that's his uh, version of the George Bush grin. <laughs> well, I think he's trying. I, you know, he probably had a couple of strokes and can't just, you know, pull it off. But it's a dishonesty. Um, I, you know, there's such high hypocrisy in the office that he holds and what he does for a living. And, you know, I think that arguments, you know, arguments can be made about, you know, of course, he's, you know, being involved with the, the defense business is the safest. Right. You know, is the safest thing that we can ask for for right. somebody in high office. So I understand that argument. But every time he goes on TV, it's uh, you know, it's a commercial for you know Halbutrin. I I don't know. It just uh, I, I don't know. There's something that just doesn't sit right with me. That. <laughs> well, and I, and you just wonder what's he going to say next, or what's he going to do next? And uh, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live certainly has a great time uh, with Dick Cheney and what uh, you know he's he's done. Uh, and then, of course, you and I had talked, um, you know, a couple of days ago too about the infamous Sharon Stone. Yes, uh, and we have a couple of minutes till commercial break. And I, you know what? I'm so glad that her comments kind of went away. It was so tasteless that the media didn't even carry it anymore after they made fun of her. Isn't yeah, the, that correct? Uh, and again, the uh, celebrities and so forth, and 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 giving some opinions. Like again, 
what's your real mission there? What are you, what are you there to do? Uh, it certainly, in my view, is not to comment uh, about the, hur- or the uh, earthquake. Now, not to be desensitive to, to that, but to certainly share that, oh, I've never seen anything like this in my life. Uh, in fact, it, it's, it, you cannot describe it, and, and I'm just horrified by it. But to then go on and opine that, oh, this is due to karma uh, because of the treatment uh, of the Chinese towards the Tibetan people, uh, it's just way out of bounds. Oh, was it ever. You know, well, listen, we're going to have to take another commercial break, but we'll talk about that a little bit more and maybe, I don't know if there's pre- prescriptions for Sharon Stone. I, the only prescription I could see is her going to China and building houses for the people that are homeless right now. I mean, I can't, it's just, uh, it, it was just like crazy. But let's take a break. We'll come back in a minute and thank you, Dr. Prescription. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties, festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com, or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. The ability to wield power, shape the environment and the outcome, and the desire to make things happen are essential characteristics of all great leaders. Explore the essence of leadership from an insider's point of view on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio, international coach, consultant, and advisor to leaders for over 20 years. Get the unvarnished, inside story on how leaders in the spotlight take the critical decisions that deliver exceptional, real-world results and why they sometimes spectacularly and publicly fail as well. Tune into Leadership Intuitions for a behind-the-scenes look at what gets great leaders up in the morning and what keeps them up at night. Go beyond the conventional advice about what great leaders are and what they do, and learn how to create your own personal legacy as a leader. Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio broadcasts each Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, Power, Achievement, Relationships. Real Talk with Marcy Mason, a refreshing and charming talk radio show for all of you entertainment enthusiasts. Whether you're stargazing on Hollywood Boulevard or in the stands cheering for your favorite team, Real Talk is here to satisfy the curiosity of the dedicated lifestyle and entertainment enthusiasts by giving everyday people the information they crave about what's going on in their communities and the world around them. Don't miss Real Talk with Marcy Mason, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. 
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Now back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We are back with the prescription doctor, Glenn Ebersol. Glenn, you've been just such a wonderful guest. Can you tell me, why don't you tell all of our listeners um, your email address where people could get in touch with you just in case they need an urgent prescription? Well, thanks, Cindy. Yes, uh, the um, email address for the PR doctor is simple, J. G-E-P-R-M-A-N at AOL.com. J-G-E-P-R-M-A-N at AOL.com. So wonderful. You, you bought yourself a wonderful URL. <laughs> Thanks. The, uh, yes, the, uh, yeah, the website is www.prdoctor, the number four, the letter U, dot com. Well, I, I think that's. I, I think that was very smart of you to purchase. I know that you have numerous companies that you've purchased. Doesn't um, the World Wide Web just make entrepreneurs like ourselves into such? Um, we could be moguls without being the moguls. <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, again gone way beyond any expectations I ever had as far as the the power of the internet. And last week I was at a uh, a dinner. Uh, I've been involved in something that's called the Distinguished Citizens Award Dinner that we recognize a distinguished citizen in our area, and the proceeds benefit the uh, Boy Scouts uh, in our area. And uh, the person that we honored this year is uh, one of the people whose uh, father started the newspapers here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, the television station, uh, a whole lots of things, and are very philanthropic. And so a lot of the editors and executives of the newspaper and media were there. And one of the things we were talking about was the impact of the Internet on the newspaper business. And uh, it was very interesting. And I said, you know, as, as we go along in this generation now at the, that uh, we have doesn't read the newspaper as much. So um, my thought was the prescription is you ought to be doing some brainstorming and strategic thinking of, how can you, as a newspaper, uh, use the skill sets, resources, et cetera, that you have uh, to survive 20 years from now? Uh, and I, that's, that's indeed true. And being that I have grown up, I, you, know, um, you know, I've lived and I've, you know, I've eaten and I've, you know, and I've imbibed and I lived in the print magazine business for 16 years of my life. Um, you know, I, I know the industry so well, you know, I know the paper print industry so well, I know how much it costs for a sheet of paper, you know, I could, you, you could give me a magazine and I could tell you what paper weight it is and how much it costs. I could believe you, you, yes. Um, and it's, you know, and then postage, it keeps on, it's, you know, it's unlimited in terms of, you know how much it can inflate. It's like gasoline. So, you know, let's let's put the newspaper business aside for a second and just talk about the magazine business. And the people who are kind of thinking about prescriptions were thinking about it really, you know, 20 years ago. And those were the people that are probably still in business. And the people, you know, in terms of magazine publishing, 
um, you know, the people that didn't have the foresight to think about how they're going to maintain any kind of brand value without, you know, considering the cost prohibitive um, obstacles that went into magazine print are probably gone now. Right. And right. I can and give you I a lot that, of you know, examples uh, of those. <laughs> not so much a buzzword anymore because now we have graduate schools that have graduate programs and in integrated marketing communications. But I can recall when that was first starting, and it's using strategic thinking relative to your public relations, that there's a mix of um, how you can get the message out. And now you have many more choices. And uh, the editor of one of the papers, when I sent him a news release recently, um, sent back an email to me and commented about, you know, the use of the Internet uh, that I do, you know, for public relations work and, and, and how powerful that is. And then to your points about the cost, uh, you know, it, <laughs> the cost is considerably less. Well, it is. And, I, you know, those of us in business today that don't see, I mean, we... We have to see the value of both worlds. I, I think that you and I are both baby boomers. Yep. Um, you know, at, at least if your picture is current, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. Okay, and I just have um, to be a leading edge baby boomer. A leading, a leading, cutting edge, young-minded baby boomers, of course. Um, I think that you know the key for us is <clears throat> knowing how the, our younger generations think. But, you know, knowing how to take great ideas from Gen Y, Gen X, Gen Y, and Echo Boomers, because we're not all right. I mean, you know, we have to learn. We have to be flexible. I mean, the problem with our younger generations is is that they don't seem to think that we have anything to add to their picture, and that's where they're challenged. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that you and I, in terms of the prescriptions that we've been taking, are probably in a good place because it seems to me that we both listen to what the change makers in the younger set have to say and what they add in only growing up with the Internet in terms of research and knowing how to get information. They're very quick-witted, quick-minded, um, do things very at light speed. Um, you know, however, they have a lot to learn about literature and history and, you know, con- conservative business protocol. <laughs> and that's right. And one is that... We need to be open-minded. Uh, we need to recognize that there are multiple paths to get to the vision and to the to the mission. And one of the things that I wanted to pick up on what you said is, you know, about listening and hearing, is that one of the one of my PR doctor prescriptions is that not only do you have to listen. That's step one. Step two is hear, and step three is understand. And this is where you know the whole phenomena of our human communication breaks down because somewhere in those three steps, something gets screwed up. And we have a, a local bank that has had this campaign for I don't know how many years now is that they basically says, we're the bank that listens. And I have a number of friends there, and I'll ask them, I said, so you listen, so what? I can sit and listen to you all day. What have I accomplished? And what have you accomplished? I can also sit listen and hear you and still not accomplish. I have to listen to you, I have to hear you, and I have to understand what you're saying before we accomplish anything. 
No, no, it's it's very true. That's the difference between active and passive. I mean, you know, listening. <laughs> well, I mean, hearing is very, 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 very passive. Listening is, you know, in between. Understanding is very active. Right. So, um, you know, I think that a lot of people, a lot of baby boomers who have grown up in public rela- public relations, like we have, you know, had to retire or do something else because they just couldn't evolve, um, listen, and understand how much, you know, the Internet is going to become dominant in our lives. Um, You know, so a lot of people retired or, you know, became teachers or had kids and never went back. I don't know. Um, (laughs) You know, or have just sort of become mediocre in what they do because, you know, it's so necessary to have in public relations these days the old school set of skills and knowledge combined with the new new school set of skills and knowledge. And, you know, that makes, you know, I think that makes the baby boomer a lot more valuable because of the experience, you know. And um, I just hope that the younger set, you know, decides that it's time for them to be more active in their listening and understanding of what the baby boomer brings to business today. That, that's right, and you, you gave a good prescription for success there. You need that, that combination, and the power of this is just unbelievable. I mean, I, I think of one of the uh, assignments I had where literally I was, uh, I was retained by an intellectual properties law firm uh, to be PR counsel, in a big case that they had, and I was, they were getting, I should say, inquiries from media from all over the world, and they didn't know really how to handle it. And without the technology and without the Internet, that would just be impossible to do. No, it's absolutely true, absolutely true. Being that you work with um, law clients, I have a prescription request for you, for me. Okay. How's that? You know, as you know, um, I partnered with um, Diane Blackman in New York very, very recently, hence PR Public Relations, Blackman Rakowitz Public Relations. So a lot of my press friends are saying, you know, let me have your client list. And, you know, 50% of our clients we can't talk about because of non-disclosures. How do you handle that? (laughs) Well, yeah, and that is something that, again, very, very, very important to be respectful of that um, and to never, ever violate you know, that confidentiality. And uh, I, I've had a couple where you just, it's just impossible. You're not allowed to say anything. And it's such a challenge. And I think that what I've tried to do, and we'll also share this with, if that I could uh, share some experiences, again, without, you know, the real specifics, but to get across the point by using some of the experiences from them, um, that's one way. I guess, of, of doing it. But the other thing, I guess, is I would ask them uh, if I felt that, you know, I, I needed to know a little more information of why it was so important to, to keep it totally confidential uh, to find out maybe what would they be comfortable with. Well, one of, one of the things, if I may interject before sure. we take the next and last break, and I think it, it does okay, uh, you know, I do, we get away with it as I just say that, you know, now that I'm working on a lot with a lot of legal clients and crisis communications, unfortunately, I can't really talk about my client list because of the non-disclosure, so, right. Right. you know, I just kind of address it with honesty and sincerity, and God, I wish I could. Well, when we come back from the break, I'll give you an example of where I couldn't tell them, but 
how I got the the story across over time when people ask me about a an unusual client or what was one of the most challenging things I did relative to PR. Well, you know what? Then after this commercial break, and God, again, doesn't the show go fast? I bet you were saying, "How am I going to? What am I going to talk about for an hour?" It goes so fast. Doesn't I it? never thought that, knowing that uh, with you and I uh, on the show, there would not be any dead air space. Not at all. Well, listen, just stay tuned, and we'll come back with the final segment with the pre- prescription doctor. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, yachts, parties, festivals. At Rack and Roll Productions, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, book releases, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio. Rack and Roll Productions gets the job done whether it's an intimate party or a production with 2,000 people. In fact, you've probably seen and heard our work on the E! Channel, MTV, The Howard Stern Show, or in the pages of numerous newspapers and magazines. Now it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of Rack and Roll Productions. Visit us online at www.rackandrollentertainment, that's R-A-K-N-R-O-L-L, entertainment.com, or call 1-818-597-0700. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio. Rack and Roll Productions, we do it all. www.rakandrollentertainment.com. Wake up, world. This is it. It's time to feel re-energized with a new show featuring host Andrea with an I. Get ready for a wild ride of adventure. You'll venture into a realm of quirkiness and a bit of the unexpected. Andrea will prove to you that bliss is your birthright and it's easy, simple, and fun to be in bliss. Wake up, world. This is it. With your host, Andrea with an I. It's heard live every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America. Shift happens. Are you ready? In a culture obsessed with the perfect body, men, women, and especially teens are constantly battling with body image and overlooking the one true thing that could set them free. Breaking Free with Sarah Maria is a timely talk radio show that will help you find a way to love your body and yourself just the way you are. Breaking Free will empower you to unleash your potential and create the life of your dreams. Tune in to Breaking Free with Sarah Maria every Thursday at noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America channel and start loving you for who you are. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now let's get back to more stars of PR. Here's your host and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're wrapping up this fine show with the PR doctor, Glenn Embersall. And Glenn, once again, give your web address out. This is a commercial for you. Thank you. www.prdoctor.com. The number four, the letter U, dot com. 
Okay. Well, listen, we were we were talking about you know um, PR challenges today and prescriptions for PR challenges today, and I just wanted to wrap up and you know revisit the last segment by just saying I think that like any other PR prescription, you know, if, um, you know, honesty is always the best policy. I think that if a person is in crisis communications, working with lawyers and a lot of confidential information, there's nothing wrong with saying that you can't really disclose, you know, your specific clients at the time. I mean, if you just say you have an affiliation with a law firm, I think smart people will understand. <laughs> that's, that's right. And, and in fact, in, in the uh, case with the intellectual properties firm, it was, it was at a time when it was still not totally decided and determined if you would have the attorney-client privilege. And it was one of the strategies we used where rather than me being a client of the, uh, the uh, defendant in this case, uh, being a client law firm, uh, they substantiated and confirmed that since they were my client that we had this attorney-client privilege, which gave us some protection on some of the things that we were talking you know, about as a part of this. Right, no, exactly right. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, so I'm just going to ask you if you're familiar with what's going on with Rob Lowe and his real family, not his West Wing family, not his, um, you know, brothers and sisters family, but what's, it's very Hollywood, so you might not be familiar with what's going on, but it addresses um, non-disclosure information. Uh, I'm only... Uh informed tangentially on that, I'll, I'll admit. So well, it's, I, I, it's, no, and, I, and that's why I addressed the question that way. It wouldn't be fair to put you on the spot. What's big news in Hollywood certainly isn't big news everywhere else in the country, particularly on the East Coast. So, um, But basically, um, the nanny of the Lowe's, it, it's two nannies of the Lowe's that are um, represented by Gloria Allred, so you know already that it's incendiary, um, because... Um, you know, these nannies say that they were harassed, abused, yes. and, you know, um, you know, all kinds of horrible things by, you know, particularly not so much Roblo himself, but his wife, okay? Yes, I do remember reading that. Yes, and, um, you know, just all kinds of, you know, weird, sexually inappropriate stuff, like, you know, Rob's wife likes to walk around naked, and, you know, that yes, was upsetting. Now it's, now it's- yeah, and now it's coming I back. It's clearing up in my mind, but so <laughs> yeah, the LA I do Times, remember reading about it. Well, here's here's where it's relevant for this discussion, though. I mean, you know, let's put aside the Hollywood gossip. The lawsuits that are going back and forth are very, very interesting because it um, it makes. PR professionals like ourselves, as well as, you know, attorneys and celebrities and the employees that work for celebrities, you know, have to kind of take a second look at employee agreements and their own non-disclosures because when you're signing a confidentiality agreement um, with a, you know, a high-profiled person, you know, it's part of the deal where you're not supposed to talk about some of the things that go on in their household. However... What all the lawyers agree in is the fact that if somebody gets hurt, you know, obviously all of these, you know, non-disclosures and confidentiality agreements go out the window because it doesn't protect an employer from, you know, um, you know, doing anything that might be inappropriate. Right. So that's really the gist of what I wanted to talk about, not so much the gossip, but, you know, how, you know, just because an employer of any kind might 
sign, you know, a confidentiality, a confidentiality agreement with an employee, it doesn't mean that they have the license to abuse. That, that's correct. And it would be the same way if you had signed that and you knew that there was something obviously being done dishonestly, uh, if there was a, a real violation of, uh, of a law or something, uh, it says, okay, to me, uh, that negates the agreement because uh, we're not signing a confidentiality agreement that says, I will close my eyes and ears to any illegal activity that I observe. Right. No, exactly right. So, um, of course, you know, the defense for the Lowe's, um, you know, are, you know, trying to find holes in all of these accusations by saying, if a nanny, you know, worked with me for seven years, then what could have been the problem? I right. Mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all very, very, very interesting, but it's like anything else in the law. You know, the law is there to protect things philosophically. You know, it's a business agreement, but if people break, people can't break the law that's within correct. those confines, and that's what it's so hard for people to understand. You can't break the law just because you have an agreement. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. Um, you know, but again, it's it's very interesting to follow these legal things. I mean, a little bit more Hollywood stuff, you know, and it's more commentary because again, I know that in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, it certainly doesn't saturate the airwaves. But poor Tatum O'Neill got busted for yes. buying illegal drugs. Were you familiar with that? Yes, and she's saying it saved her life now. Well, it saved her life, but it also she did it because her dog died. Yes. I mean, isn't that like kind of a first-grade excuse? You know, my dog ate my homework. I'm I'm going to buy drugs because my dog died. Right. You know, was that a good thing for her to do, doctor, or, you know, not a wise thing for her to do? No, no. Best thing, again, go back to what you were saying. Be honest. Be sincere. You know, be right up front. Admit the mistakes. Apologize to whomever, you know, especially your family uh, for this, and really display empathy and that, you know, you're truly sorry for what you've done in the past, and then, all right, what am I going to do go, going forward? What am I going to do with my life? How, how can I uh, get back on track? How can I rebuild relationships? How can I repair, if it's possible, some of the harmful things that have occurred? Um, uh, to, but really, uh, you know, the overall prescription for everybody is always pay attention to your behavior at all times. Um, because especially for celebrities, high-profile people, it's like you're being watched all the time. And the comment this morning said, you know what, if we had a camera on us, Cindy, 16 hours out of every 24-hour day, I'm sure people would pick up on some things that we do that uh, may not put us in the best light. Well, no, that's exactly right. And, you know, don't you, you can't be defensive and you can't be reactive. You have to be very, very chill. You know, um, you know, you just can't. And I've lived with a camera on me for a long time as Hef's, you know, right, right hand. So, you know, you, you, he really adapted to it well, for a while anyway, until he decided to sell his life to e-girls next door. But before that, you know, he was very, very good at understanding that he was a public figure and that having a public figure personality is what he had to do while the cameras were on 24-7. And I have a lot of respect for him for doing that because a lot of celebrities just can't accept the dual responsibility of quote-unquote being famous and understanding at the same time that there's a big responsibility when you're famous. <laughs> one, of the, one of the 
stories I remember the most because I had the privilege of working with Eddie Albert and his son, Edward Albert Jr., for a period of 18 months on a public relations campaign. And uh, remembering Eddie telling me this story when uh, he and Edward were somewhere, and it was after one of Edward's films, that they were in a hotel and they were going to go out, and there was all these people waiting outside to see him, and he wanted to go out the back door. And uh, his father, very sage advice, said, you have to remember, you know, uh, who those people are out there. Uh, oh, exactly right. Well, listen, represent. unfortunately, we have to end. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, you'll have to come back on again because oh, it was I'd, a great... I'd love to, and we can uh, talk about some, you know, real fun fun things, uh, maybe a little lighter than this, although we did have some uh, have some fun doing this. But, yeah, I would love to. I really, uh, really enjoyed uh, being with you this morning. All right. Well, thank you so much, PR doctor Glenn Ebersol. Thank you for your time, and have a great week, everybody. Take care. Stars of Kiyot. We'll see you next time.